Elizabeth Holmes, the former CEO of the healthcare startup Theranos, has been found guilty on four out of 11 fraud charges. With some reporting it as the Silicon Valley trial of the decade, KCSB's Grace Kish met with Guardian reporter Carrie Paul to discuss Holmes' start, what led to her guilty verdicts, and what's next for her and other businesses in Silicon Valley. In the bustling world of Silicon Valley, businesses and startups everywhere are met with an intense pressure to succeed, to be outstanding. Some companies can falter, however, under this expectation to be the next big thing. Lies and doubt can slip between the cracks, leading the public and investors to being deceived. Today, I met with Guardian reporter Carrie Paul to discuss Elizabeth Holmes, former Silicon CEO, who was recently found guilty on four counts of fraud for her failed company, Theranos. Carrie Paul, hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. To start, do you mind giving me a little background on the recent trial of Elizabeth Holmes, specifically who she is and what she's known for? Sure. Um, yeah, so just as a primer, I'm a tech reporter for The Guardian. I've been covering the Theranos trial. It's been taking place in San Jose in California. And the trial centers around allegations against Elizabeth Holmes, who was the founder of Theranos. It was a blood testing startup that kind of promised to be able to conduct like hundreds of tests on just one drop of blood which obviously would revolutionize the medical industry. It was a huge deal. It got millions of dollars in investments. It was valued at more than $1 billion at one point. Um, but it came out in around 2015 that most of these claims were not true and that it was kind of a giant scam. So, And way back once you started, all the way in, I think, 2003 it was, what was her initial impact in the business industry? after suddenly dropping out of Stanford at the age of 19 and creating the idea of this revolutionary type of healthcare company. So Elizabeth Holmes famously dropped out of Stanford to start this company at the age of 19. Um, Silicon Valley in general, I think, places a big, uh, big value on like a genius startup founder. Like they really like that narrative of the young, exciting, smart founder who is from the ground up building a revolutionary company. So I think they kind of latched onto that narrative with her. She's also a woman in a very male dominated industry. So I think a lot of people really wanted to believe that there could be a female. She was being compared to Steve Jobs. She compared herself to Steve Jobs a lot, tried to dress like Steve Jobs. And so there's this like mythology around her and just kind of wanting, I think everyone wanted this to be real and wanted her to succeed. With so many investors and followers, you'd think healthcare startups similar to Theranos, ones with outstanding medical promises, weren't as common back then. Was Holmes's launch to fame so rapid because her idea was so incredibly new? Or were there other healthcare startups at the time in Silicon Valley? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I would say that nothing like Theranos had really been pitched before, just the idea that one drop of blood could do all of these tests. Um, I think that's why she did go to such great lengths um, so quickly. Uh, um, yeah, because of the idea of the technology, if it were real, which we later learned it was not real, but if you could actually do blood tests on one drop of blood from a tiny machine at home, it would revolutionize the healthcare industry. So it was a very exciting idea that People were very. Uh... Now, with all the background out of the way, I'd like to get to the actual meat of the trial. 
When did this whole predicament start? What part of Holmes's plan went so wary that she was eventually found guilty on 4 out of 11 counts of fraud? Put simply, where did Theranos go wrong? Yes, I think it kind of goes down to this idea in Silicon Valley. There's this ethos of fake it till you make it. A lot of times people will start these revolutionary companies without a lot of proof or backing as to the actual technology. And I think maybe Holmes, you know, there's many theories and that's what the jury spent weeks deliberating. Like, did she get ahead of herself? Did she really believe this would work? I don't know the answer to that, but... Um, people kind of started to realize that it was not living up to those expectations. It was in 2015, um, the Wall Street Journal broke some stories. Um, John Kerry was the reporter who kind of led to the fall of Theranos. Um, it just broke some stories via some whistleblowers within the company who said, hey, this technology isn't actually working. We actually aren't doing the blood testing on Theranos devices. We're outsourcing it to their labs. We're doing re- like normal blood testing with like vials of blood, not one drop of blood. Um, so yeah, I would say the fall is really owed to a couple of key whistleblowers within the company who spoke out and who spoke out to this reporter with the Wall Street Journal. And that's when the house of cards kind of started to tumble down. So in short, Theranos lied about the number of tests they were running the types of tests they were running, and the accuracy of the tests they were running. And that's what led Holmes to being charged. Right, yeah. And the fraud charges centered on those lies, as they're alleged, um, about the efficacy of the test. And then also, in terms of what she promised investors, um, you know, she had millions and millions of dollars invested in Theranos, and were those invested on false promises? That was part of the... um, investigation. So uh, the charges she was convicted on actually did all relate to investors um, and the company and not the patients who were defrauded. So that was kind of an interesting twist. So I know she was charged on four of the wire fraud charges, and then I think she was hung on the other wire fraud charges, and then she was found not guilty of defrauding her actual clients. Correct. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that she was definitely guilty or not guilty, but if she were to hypothetically be guilty, What do you think led her to deceive investors? I know there's an extreme pressure in the world of Silicon Valley, like you were saying, where success and money kind of shadow over the morals and the truth. And do you think that might have been the issue where Holmes was feeling just pressure to succeed after making this huge promise? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's hard because... Um, even though she testified on the stand, we don't have a very clear window into her psychology. I think everyone's very, this is why the trial gained so much attention. I think everyone's very fascinated about what's going on in Elizabeth Holmes's head. Um, she claimed from start to finish of the trial and has always claimed that she believed in Theranos. She really thought it would work. She says she never sold any of her shares. She was, you know, in it from the beginning to the end, really believed in her company. Um, and that might be true. Um, it's possible that she was just delusional. Like she wanted so badly for it to work that she kind of invented stories around it or just ignored the evidence that it wasn't working. Or, you know, she knew from the beginning it didn't work and was just out to scam and was trying to scam people. That's kind of like the other narrative that exists. It's really hard to say what's true and what's not true. Um, yeah, when we look at her, a lot of evidence in the trial, they subpoenaed and got a bunch of her iPhone 
notes and her handwritten notes to herself. And she has like journals and stuff. And she was very obsessed with succeeding in business. She was very obsessed with her public appearance. Um, So yeah, I think she really wanted to succeed. So maybe she, you know, deluded herself into thinking it could work. So according to her defense team, Holmes actually claimed she didn't know that her tests were failing and that she was simply putting her trust into her more qualified lab team. Do you think there's an authenticity behind this statement? Is there a possibility that she truly did not know what was happening with her company? Um, I mean, it's hard to say. I feel like I don't necessarily, even though I've been covering this for a long time, don't have like too many personal opinions on it. I'm mostly just, I'm obviously fascinated by the case. And I will say that that's obviously what her argument was. Um, there were a lot of witnesses that test witnesses that testified to the contrary that they told her, "Hey, there are issues with this and this and this." Um, so yeah, obviously the jury found that she, you know, knowingly defrauded these people. I kind of want to take a sidestep now and look at the evidence within the trial. Was there anything particularly outstanding that either side presented? Um, I will say that the kind of smoking gun, if you will, that the prosecution kept presenting is. Um, one piece of evidence that showed Elizabeth photoshopped logos of pharmaceutical firms onto some of the Theranos reports um, that were presented to Walgreens and other potential partners. So obviously the implication there would be that Pfizer was endorsing their science when in fact it did not. Um, So that was a pretty egregious, you know, evidence of fraud that she was photoshopping these logos on. And that's kind of hard to to wriggle out of. She did admit to doing it. she claimed she was kind of trying to show that they had ongoing conversations and, and they were kind of working with data from those companies. But yeah, um, that's kind of the smoking gun that they kept returning to. Now, in terms of the charges she was found guilty of, not guilty of, and was hung on, were the verdicts surprising? Were people expecting there to be more or fewer arguments or agreements with regards to the jury and her charges? Um, you know, I interviewed so many. Um, experts for this story, legal experts and um, fraud experts and white collar crime experts. And nobody could tell me in advance of the jury trial kind of how it would turn out. Um, Historically, jury trials are very unpredictable because juries are very very unpredictable. You never really know how they're going to decide. So no no one really knew what to expect. I do think it's very fascinating that they chose not to convict her on the charges related to patients. Um, only related to investors. And I've seen a few interviews with jurors um, from other outlets in the wake of the trial where they said um, that they felt she was, you know, enough degrees removed from the patients that that she didn't directly defraud them. So that was their logic. And what comes next for Holmes? What is the next step in this whole process for her? Yeah, so she was convicted on those charges and um she has paid a bond so she's not in custody um I don't know where she's staying at the moment um but she's not in jail or prison or anything um her um sentencing hearing was scheduled for September of this coming year of this year of 2022 so she's you know going to be out on bail for the next nine months kind of chilling uh and then we'll see how long she will go to prison um the charges that she was convicted on each carry up to 20 years that would be served concurrently. You don't stack those up. So 20s would be the max. Um, But because she has no prior convictions, it'll probably be like five 
um, from what my sources tell me, and then she may get off early for good behavior. I don't know. So I, if I had to predict, I would say she would spend three to six years in prison. And do you think she's going to appeal the charges? I think she's pretty likely to appeal. Um, and I'm not sure when that process would begin, um, perhaps during the sentencing. Um, I would have to check with my sources on that. I'm not, I'm not sure when the next, when the next option for that would be. In the big scope of things, how frequent or rare is it for a big-time, hotshot CEO to be accused of fraud, let alone found guilty for it? Was this truly the Silicon trial of the decade, like some people are saying? Yeah, I mean, I can't personally remember any fraud trials this big in Silicon Valley, especially centering on a specific, you know, person. You know, there have been white-collar crime in terms of companies defrauding. Um, but for, you know, she was the figurehead of this company. She was very synonymous with Theranos. She got a lot of press. She was on a lot of magazine covers. So in that sense, it was very unique. To wrap this up, what exactly does this verdict say about current and future companies in Silicon Valley? And in the end, do you think that this trial will make an impact on how investors interact with the businesses? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll definitely make an impact in how businesses interact with investors. Um, I've already seen some analysis from different Silicon Valley investors, you know, and companies in the aftermath saying like, this is going to cause companies to be a little bit more cautious with the promises they make to investors. Historically in Silicon Valley, you kind of overpromise um, and underdeliver. basically. You're kind of just trying to get people on the hook, get them to invest, get the money, and then give them the results. Um, so I think, you know, now that we've seen that, you can face consequences for overpromising. Um, people may be a little more cautious about what they do, tell investors. That was Carrie Paul with The Guardian. For more information, go to The New York Times, The Guardian, Wired, and The Wall Street Journal. With KCSB, I'm Grace Kish.